Welcome to Exaltation. This is Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true. Our scripture today is Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 through 28. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged Jesus, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, Great is your faith. Let it be done unto you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. As a Navy chaplain in the military, I was very familiar with the phrase, adapt and overcome. It is an essential mindset for an effective soldier. To adapt and overcome requires resilience. Resilience is a process of adaptation in the face of obstacles, tragedy, and stress that promotes good emotional and physical readiness. One characteristic of resilience is the ability to take decisive action in a time of crisis. When life tumbles in, what then? Either we roll over and give up, or we rise up and overcome. In our Gospel reading today, the Canaanite woman gets a medal for resilient faith. She is a picture of adapting and overcoming against all odds. Even when she was mocked and scorned and rejected, she stayed resilient spiritually. Some Bible stories remain unforgettable. They always seem fresh and new, and this is one of them. The Canaanite woman who wouldn't take no for an answer. Let's look at this story. What is interesting about this healing is where it occurs. This is the only occasion where Jesus traveled outside of Jewish territory in his ministry. 
he was in the land of Tyre and Sidon, north of Galilee, where the hated Phoenicians, the enemies of the Jews, lived. We must remember that God had bound himself to Israel by covenant, that he would be their God and they would be his people. Therefore, God had particular responsibility to Israel. So when Jesus began his ministry, he always acknowledged Israel's special status. When Jesus sent out his disciples to minister town by town, he gave them strict instructions not to visit a Gentile town or any town of the Samaritans. Rather, they were to go to the lost sheep of Israel. Why was Israel lost? Most of us are familiar with the story of the Old Testament. The nation of Israel had come under God's judgment. As God's people, they had not served him as God or followed his ways. They had worshipped other gods, false gods. They had rejected him as the one true and living God, the creator of all. Because of their choices, they suffered horrible consequences as a nation. They lost their land and nation and were carried away into captivity. They were now back in Israel, but they were under another ruler and another empire. Israel was also lost because of poor leadership. The Pharisees and Sadducees were weak and ineffective spiritual guides. King Herod was one of the worst tyrants, using the Romans to gain as much power as he could. No wonder Jesus wept over the city of Jerusalem. No wonder when he saw the crowds, he was filled with compassion for them. They were like sheep without a shepherd, politically and spiritually lost. So Jesus came as their Messiah, preaching the good news of the kingdom of God. But Jesus' message came with a warning, didn't it? What would happen to Israel if they rejected God's Messiah? Jesus told them that if they rejected the Messiah, he would take his message to the world. Those who had the blessed privilege of being God's people would lose it. The first would be last, and the last would be first. So this trip up north to a Gentile land has great significance. What is implied and signified by this miracle of a Gentile healing is the foreshadowing of the spread of the gospel to the whole world. Was this miracle the beginning of the end of the geographical barrier to the message? Could it be that even the bad guys, our enemies, should have the gospel proclaimed unto them? As the story unfolds, we need to see that what happens between Jesus and the Canaanite woman is a kind of test given simultaneously to the woman and to the disciples. Jesus wants both the woman and the disciples to learn a powerful lesson. The first part of the story is the earnest cry of a mother in distress and the answer of silence. The woman approaches Jesus with a cry calculated to arouse pity in Jesus. It was the cry of a mother pleading for her child who was deeply oppressed by a demon. This was a terrible calamity. In our modern times, many people no longer believe in the devil and demon oppression. But in the first century, exorcisms were quite common. History records other rabbis who were known for casting out demons. 
The difference between Jesus and the other exorcists was that they relied on certain procedures and incantations which sometimes worked and sometimes didn't work. Jesus simply commanded the demons to leave and immediately they fled their victims. All they had to hear was the power and authority of his voice and they were banished from his presence. The woman cries out in verse 22, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. She calls Jesus Lord, a term she will repeat twice again in this short story. She also calls him son of David, which is a messianic title. The Canaanite woman acknowledged that Jesus is the Messiah, the Lord, come from God to the earth to save his people. But Jesus' response is astonishing. He does not say a word. He gives no reply at all, and the silence is deafening. It is as though Jesus completely ignores the woman in her abject need. This woman's daughter is suffering horribly, but when she appeals to Jesus with humility and reverence, he acts as if he doesn't hear. This isn't like the Lord Jesus we know. He is the most compassionate Savior of all. He cares deeply about his people. She is asking him for what he delights to give. Why the silence? The next movement of the story is the reaction of the disciples to this woman. They respond not with compassion, but with irritation. She is a nuisance. They urge Jesus to send her away. Dismiss her by granting her request is what they seem to say. They want to get rid of her. The sooner the better. Master, this woman is getting in the way. Dismiss her quickly and we can continue on our traveling. The disciples don't like the noise of a shrieking woman following after them. They think she might call attention to the fact that they were traveling in secret towards Tyre and Sidon to escape the thronging crowds and the criticisms of the Pharisees. The next scene in the story is in verse 24. Jesus seems to be preoccupied with his own vocation and the way God intends for him to fulfill it. He says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. We must understand that Jesus was obeying his Father by confining his ministry to the Jewish people only. This was a case of concentration of energies and efforts. There must be a geographical and national limit to Jesus' life. He is the Messiah of Israel and the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies to Israel. The confining of his ministry doesn't limit his sympathy or love for others nor does it mean that he is not the savior of the entire world. He is, but there was a development in the expansion of his kingdom. First it came to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. Jesus was bound by his father's instructions, and therefore he did not answer her even a word. On the surface, it seems that Jesus is apparently agreeing with the disciples. He seems to be taking their side. God sent me to Israel, not to the heathen Gentiles. Good call, Jesus, the disciples think. Let's send her away. Only Jesus doesn't send her away, but watches the disciples to see how they will respond. 
Will any of his students understand that the gospel draws many people from the East and from the West? Will anyone say a word on behalf of the woman and her suffering child? No. They all nod their heads in agreement that Jesus hasn't come for people like this woman. But the woman will not go away. In her mind, she can still hear her daughter's screams. Maybe it is desperation. Maybe it is trust. Perhaps there was a short pause in their walk during which she came closer and fell at the feet of Jesus. She demonstrates what St. Christosom calls a beautiful shamelessness. She kneels on the ground, worships Jesus, and utters a wailing plea, Lord, help me. The intenser the feeling, the fewer the words. She simply throws herself at the feet of Jesus and cries out of her agony, even as all hope of help fades away. Now the tension in the disciples really starts to build. Their theology tells them that this woman is to be shunned and rejected. And yet they listen to the anguished plea of a heart-sick mother for a suffering child. Something moves deep within them. How can they be utterly insensible to the deep love of a mother for her child? This woman's request strikes at their deep assumptions about whom God loves. Could it be that God is greater and better than their theology? Jesus speaks again. It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. How could our loving Lord Jesus say such a thing? How could he remain insensitive to the woman's distress? He is calling the woman a dog. To call a person a dog was a great insult filled with contempt. In Jesus' day, dogs were unclean scavengers of the street. They were lean, savage, and diseased. The meaning is clear. Jesus is giving voice to the thoughts of the disciples. It is one thing to have contempt for someone behind her back. It is another thing to hear the ugliness of our thoughts and feelings expressed out loud to her face. The Jews, including the disciples, didn't think too kindly of the Canaanites. They were the original inhabitants of Israel, an evil people who did not fear God. But God had given the land of the Canaanites to his people, and so traditionally the Jews hated the Canaanites for being on their land. It was quite unique that Jesus would speak to this woman at all. It just wasn't done. Remember how surprised the disciples were that Jesus spoke to the Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4. Speaking to a Canaanite woman was even more unlikely and repugnant. Normally, Jesus would have absolutely nothing to do with a Canaanite. This was the test of the disciples. Would any of them speak up for the Canaanite woman? Would even one of them love her with the compassion and mercy of Jesus? No, not today. Perhaps in days to come they will pass their tests, but not today.
You are listening to Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson, bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true, heralding the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ so that we may experience life in Him. Let's continue our lesson. The Canaanite woman knew that Jesus was telling her that Jews considered her contemptible. But this didn't stop her. Notice her beautiful and tender response in verse 27. Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. She acknowledged Jesus as the Messiah. She was confident that he alone could help her. She persisted and did not let the obstacles keep her from the goal. She answered Jesus with cleverness and wit. There's a play on words in this passage between dogs and crumbs. Of the two words Jesus had available to him for dog, he chose the word meaning a little dog, a family pet. This softens what he says to the woman. Her response is amazing. Yes, Lord, she calls him Lord for the third time, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. She picks up on the diminutive form of the word dogs and uses the same form for the word crumbs. Even the little dogs get the little crumbs from the master's table. Here is a woman who comes back at Jesus with grit, grace, and perseverance. She doesn't ask for a place at the banquet table of salvation. She doesn't want to take anything away from those who have a prior claim to God's mercies. She simply admits that she is but a dog with no claim for God's grace upon her. A little crumb of mercy is all she asks, something surely no one will ever miss. She proclaims, you are still my Lord and Master. Go ahead, make it look like you're pushing me away. I will still trust in you. By all means, feed the children of Israel, but I know you have just a little crumb left over for me. Even me, Lord Jesus. This woman simply won't give up. Such a faith is entitled to fully share in the loving gift of the Lord Jesus. He turns to face the woman with his loving gaze. The mask comes off. For a moment, Jesus had concealed the great goodness of his heart, but that moment is quickly past. The test of faith is over. The disciples failed their test. The Canaanite woman passed with flying colors. O woman, said Jesus, great is your faith. Jesus was truly amazed and commends her. Woman, you are the kind of person I am looking for. Jesus had spent over two years ministering among the people of Israel. 
So many times he found no faith at all. Instead, he discovered faith among the Romans, among the Gentiles, among the last people you would expect. Here he found great faith in a Canaanite woman, someone who was an enemy of Israel. His apparent indifference to her was his way of drawing out and manifesting her faith in all its beauty. And so her daughter was healed in that very instant. The disciples look on in astonishment. This woman, their enemy, their inferior, has been given one of the greatest commendations ever bestowed by the Master. This pagan woman, who is like a dog in the streets, won the gold medal for great faith. The story of the Canaanite woman is a wonderful lesson for us, for she is a living portrait of true piety. What is piety? Webster defines piety as veneration of reverence for God and love of his character. Piety is the orientation of the life towards God. The main interest of the pious man or woman is to know and love God. He becomes the driving force of all actions and decisions. Piety is putting faith into action. It is pursuing God and responding to his voice. Piety practices humility, gratitude, and earnestness in seeking after God. Finally, piety is an inner resolve to obediently, single-mindedly follow after God. The Canaanite woman beautifully models all these virtues of piety before our eyes. She humbly seeks out Jesus, then kneels before him and worships him. St. Bernard was once asked, what are the four greatest virtues? He replied, humility, 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 and humility. The woman had earnest, persevering faith. She believed that Jesus was the Messiah of God and that he had the power to heal and bring salvation. She kept on asking Jesus for mercy and would not give up. God delights to see resilient faith, faith that keeps knocking and asking and doesn't quit. A wise man said, The expectancy that hopes great things of God is the passport to his kingdom. Beloved, we need the piety of this first century Canaanite woman today. We need the kind of determination that keeps believing, trusting, and clinging to Jesus. We need faith in action, a piety that pursues God and responds to his voice. We are blessed beyond measure to know so much more about Jesus Christ than the Canaanite woman did. We have seen the whole story of Jesus, his life, his teaching, his death, his resurrection, his ascension into glory, and the promise of his coming again. We have far more reason to hope and believe than she ever did. Yet how tenaciously strong and resilient was her faith. How deep and devoted was her piety. This is the unparalleled beauty of an unswerving faith. I want to be more like her, don't you? What an example she remains for all time. What a model of devotion and reverence for Jesus. In the end, she overcame every obstacle, remained persistent, demonstrated true piety, and received her reward. 
verse 28 says, Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done unto you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Let's pray together. O gracious God and Heavenly Father, fill our hearts with the treasure and beauty of an unswerving, persistent faith. Teach us by the sterling example of the Canaanite woman to pursue you wholeheartedly and with true piety seek your mercy. We ask this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen. For of him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory, both now and forevermore. Amen. been listening to the program Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson with God Debt Ministries. You may reach us on the web at goddebtministries.org. That's G-A-U-D-E-T-E ministries.org. This gospel outreach is entirely listener-supported, Please help us proclaim the gospel on the radio to a needy world. You may donate online at our website. Your gift, large or small, is gratefully appreciated. Until next time, may God richly bless you with this word of encouragement from the prophet Isaiah. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not faint. <laughs>